trailer. Oh, mercy. Mercy. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to cut this short somehow, some way, said the rabbi. Uh, Psalm 22.6 tells us that we should train up a child in the way that he should go, that when he's older, he won't depart from it. Somehow he will remember some of these things that he may or she may have heard in church or at some time, uh, a scripture read. Uh, Proverbs 20 and verse 11 says that a child is known by his doings. Sometimes, you know, we know that they're foolish. Sometimes they, they do dangerous things. And so we know a child by his doing. 1 Corinthians 13 11, the Apostle Paul was saying, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Well, I have yet really to do that, but... Then the Apostle Paul was not, you know, married. He didn't have children or grandchildren like, you know, we do. And so we go out and buy the toys and we play with our kids. And, you know, we still have yet to put away those childish things. But in the book of Isaiah, chapter 11 and verse uh, 6, and I didn't give these scriptures to uh, Brian, so he's wondering where I'm going with all this. But um, in verse 6 of uh, chapter 11... And this is what uh, the feast has meant to a lot of us and what it portrays toward the future. In verse 6, it says that the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. So you have all these wild beasts, these wild animals that, you know, would rather, you know, the wolf would rather eat the lamb. And we have this little child that is going to lead them. And in verse 7 it says, and the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like an ox. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So we see a great change that is going to come, and when Christ called the child to him and to bless him, Christ saw, could foresee, that that kind of world was going to come and that he laid his blessing upon him. And this leads into what I want to speak about today, but uh, this is in two parts, and I won't get to part two. And it took me a long time to even uh, do some of this, about three hours, so I'll cut it down to maybe two. But you can get up and go eat if you want to, and I'll still be standing here. So, uh, 
In John chapter 3, and it'll begin there. And if you see me fumbling around up here, it's because I can't find my notes. Oh, here it is. Kind of lost my focus a little bit, but uh, oh yeah, here we go. Christ said in part one of this sermon, I'm going to get to part two. Uh, Christ said that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he was talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus said, uh, well, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter the second time into the womb and be born? Now, those questions, of course, and you've heard this message before in some ways, but those questions are still relevant to us today. And we know that Christ, when he came, he came with a message, and that message was about the kingdom. He said that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he said, repent. Repent you and believe the gospel or the good news. Now, every Christian, of course, hopes to uh, go to their reward in heaven uh, when they die. But scriptures show that heaven is going to be a literal kingdom here on this earth. In Revelation 11, verse 15, there we go. The seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world, of this age, are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So this world really doesn't know it or comprehend it yet, but that there is going to come when there is going to be an invasion from space. They're going to look at it that way. Because when the when the clouds are rolled back in the east, in this day of darkness and gloom that is to come, they're going to see this bright, shining light and this whole host of angels that is coming and from outer space. So, the kingdoms of our Lord will take over the kingdoms of this world. And in Daniel 2.44, and the God of heaven shall set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, but it shall stand forever. It shall stand forever. In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, I'm sorry, Daniel 7.18. Yeah, are we back there? Yeah, Dan I forgot that. Daniel 7.18. And the saints of the Most High God shall take the kingdom and possess it forever. And Christ said, I go to prepare a place for you. And then when he returns, he's going, he says that my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. In 1 Corinthians 15, 50, he says, but flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom. So there must be a change from mortal to immortality. And when that time comes, the saints of God will be given reign as kings and priests, ruling with Jesus Christ on the earth. And judgment will be given them. And they shall possess the kingdom. So that's uh, the kingdom that uh, Christ was telling Nicodemus about, that he must be born in, into. There is a booklet about, and I 
probably have told you about this before. I mean, as I get older, sometimes it seems like I've gone over this before, and deja vu and stuff, but uh, there is a concept in which it is taught that with this new birth comes a, rela a right relationship with God. Now, I can't agree with that, but he further explains it in this booklet as not doing good deeds, not being moral, not uh, saying prayers or observing religious duties. It's a concept that teaches that keeping the commandments, according to this booklet, is not necessary to being born again. And the reason that he gives is because the thief on the cross uh, was born again without keeping the commandments. So, therefore, it's taught that the only thing believers need to, re, uh, to do to receive the new birth and be born again is just confess Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Now, we know that Christians, that we all are human, we're flesh and blood people, we feel pain, we feel uh, all sorts of uh, things that uh, can afflict us and we also know that we need food we also need water we also need the uh, uh, whatever thing uh, we need to live because we're physical we're flesh and blood but it's only at the resurrection that that change is going to come and so when one is converted he is given or she is given the spirit the Holy Spirit of God and that will help them to continue in growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But until that time, Christians are still subject to spiritual miscarriage. They could fall away. They could become castaway, as even the Apostle Paul said, that could happen to him. But Christ said he is the author and finisher of faith, and he will not forsake his people, for he said, Lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the age. He also told Peter, the disciples along the way, he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, in that church, he set a ministry. He set teachers. He set various helps in order that uh, the church can go on and that the uh, church can be nourished with the word of God through it to keep us on track. But the thief on the cross could not have been born again at that time. He was a thief. He sh really, the scriptures show no evidence of him, of him uh, bringing forth fruits meat for repentance. Nor did he, uh, do we see him growing in grace and in the knowledge of Christ. And we see that Christ descended uh, that is ascended to heaven some 40 days after his crucifixion so the thief could not have gone to heaven before Christ on the day of crucifixion Christ spent three days three nights in the tomb to become the first fruits of them that sleep that's 24 hours or 48 uh, 72 hours however if the thief went uh, to heaven ahead of Christ the thief would be the first fruit. So we see that that does not work out. So when Christ told the thief today, you'll be with me in paradise, he was telling the thief, you're just going to be with me in the garden, the cemetery, you know, where, where the dead are buried.
In Hebrews 11, we see that, uh, that those who have died in faith have yet to receive the promises. And we know that the promises are eternal life and glory in that kingdom that is to come. Scripture says that blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may enter through the gates into the city. And it says that he that, shall, he that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So Christ was speaking of a spiritual birth, a born-again state that is yet to come. And he gave Nicodemus of that, of that state, saying that the wind, this is in John 3, in verse 8, that the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit. Sometimes it may be a little bit hard to think about because we're so used to seeing you know, the wind uh, blow against the leaves of the trees and see it move. We've also seen storms. We know that there are things that are invisible, things that we do not see. Uh, that is that is powerful, and this is the way the spirit is. So it, so it is with everyone born of the spirit. But we ask ourselves today: Are we like that? Even though we may be converted, even though we have the Holy Spirit of God, are we like that invisible wind and dynamic wind that Christ was describing to uh, Nicodemus? Not yet. Because that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Uh, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. So at that time, our mortal flesh will then become incorruptible, fashioned like unto Christ's uh, body. So Christ said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now the second part, and I'm skipping through a lot of this, you know that we are to become a new creature in Christ, and that only Christ has immortality, and that there are things uh, spiritual like faith, that we uh, are to add as we grow in grace and in the knowledge of Christ. Uh, Brian, I probably won't keep these scriptures in order, so just for... I don't even know where I am right now, but I'm trying to condense everything. <clears throat> now, so for some, the uh, resurrection is going to mean the glory of eternal life, but for the unrepentant sinner, it will mean everlasting shame. But when you look at this word translated, because some people think that Enoch was translated to heaven, but we know that this word carried over or tra is uh, what is uh, interpreted as, tra uh, as translated. But Christians are translated. They're translated from darkness into light. Now, the wages of sin, of course, is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And if a man keep my sayings, he shall never see death. 
And whoso lives and believes in me, it says, shall never die. We know that all flesh returns unto dust in an event that happens to both man and beast. And God, at one time in history, saved Enoch from an untimely death. And it was by faith, it says, that he did not see death. And we know that without faith, it is impossible to please God. But the belief that Enoch was translated into heaven and that he is alive in heaven really contradicts the words of Jesus Christ because in John 3.13, Christ said, No man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven. And, you know, those words were spoken long after uh, Enoch was supposedly or believed to have been translated to heaven. So faithful Enoch, along with other faithful in Christ, have yet to receive the promises. But these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise of God. God having provided some better thing for us that they, without us, should not be made perfect. And so, like Enoch, we too are translated that we should not see death, that death uh, as a result of, of being sinful. I feel like an auctioneer in a way. Hebrews 11, you're familiar with that. Faith is a substance of things not seen. It's about hope. And there are many examples in Hebrews 11. And it, give, it describes that uh, through faith, many subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Uh, women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured and not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. But all of these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. In our day and time, faith is tested, but it's also strengthened in many ways, through sickness, through, through death, through troubles of all kinds, even when prayer seems to go unanswered or there are no miracles to see. But it doesn't mean that we are imperfect. But we are uh, being perfected. Behold, said Christ, I stand at the door and knock. But we know that Christ is not going to come in unless we open the door, unless we answer the door. He's not going to impose on us. But as his word tells us, like he did Nicodemus, you must be born into his kingdom and be translated from darkness into light. 
And this is his desire for his creation. And unless we become as little children, uh, we will not enter into that kingdom of heaven. Familiar scripture, one that we've learned in times past, is, is uh, the one that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish. So belief has to start somewhere. Faith has to start somewhere. And by the foolishness of preaching, God chose to save them that believe. 